This morning's scripture reading will be from 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. That is 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall only die. And those rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the kings of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of, and the, kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them, and they came back and entered another tent, carried some from there also and went and hid it. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, and we remain silent. If we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Well, we're thankful for your presence this morning, especially if you're visiting with us. We're certainly glad that, that you are here with us. Now, the background for Second Kings 7 is found in 2 Kings 6, beginning with verse 24. Up until that time in the history of Israel, the uh, excursions or the attacks into Israel from Syria had been uh, performed by small bands of soldiers using guerrilla-like tactics. And so they would go into the nation and they would terrorize them in, in various ways. But then Ben-Hadad, the king of Israel, decided that he would march his army into Israel and lay siege uh, to Samaria. He would go in. He would not allow anyone to come in or to go out. He would stop the flow of goods and foods, and he would simply wait out Israel until they decided to open up the gates of the city and allow him to come in. In fact, the food shortage got so bad that the worst of foods was sold at exorbitant prices. If one wanted to buy a donkey head, it cost 80 pieces of silver. If he couldn't afford to buy a donkey head to try to eat that, he could buy a cab. A cab was the smallest uh, dry measure that they had of dove dung. 
And then he could try to eat that. Starvation was so severe that they would go as far as to try to eat the head of an unclean animal. And it was common, and it is commonly known, that in past times people did collect the dung of animals trying to eat that to sustain life because perhaps some nutrient would go through, would remain as the food passed through the animal. But it was even worse. That was bad, but it got even worse within the gates of the city. As the king was walking on the wall of the city one day, a a woman cried out to him and begged for some help. And he said, if God can't feed you, how do you think I can feed you? And so thinking that perhaps she wanted something else, he asked what the issue was. And she told him about entering into an agreement with another woman. And they agreed to eat their sons to sustain their lives. She gave her son, they ate the child, and then the next day when it came time for the other woman to give her son, she hid him to save his life. 2 Kings 6, 26-29 Now it seems as we look at the unfolding of the events in 2 Kings chapter 6 that Elisha had encouraged the king not to give up the city. Don't open the gates to the enemy, that God would take care of Israel. Of course, Israel, having nothing but wicked kings, he thought that he had done all he could do and that simply God had not fulfilled his promise or either that Elisha had lied to him. So seeing the extent to what his people were going to feed themselves, he became angered. And so he ordered Elisha to be killed and he wanted his head removed. Of course, coming to the realization and coming to his senses, the king called off that death warrant for Elisha. And when they ended up at Elisha's home, once again, the prophet prophesied about coming events. He said instead of buying donkey heads and dove dung, they would be able to buy fine flour and barley for a, for a small price. And of course, having heard that, the right hand man to the king, he mocked and he scorned Elisha. In essence, he said, for that to happen, God would have to rain down flour and barley from the skies. And of course, Elisha said, oh, you'll see it happen. You won't get to eat any of it. We get down to 2 Kings 7 verse 20 and we find out that's exactly what happened. As the people rushed out to get the food, that man was trampled underneath their feet and he died. Now that brings the reader to four men. Four men sitting outside the gate of a besieged city, starving to death. Four men that were not only starving to death, they were stricken with leprosy. They had no hope in this world. They had been ostracized from the people. They had to be outside the gate. Oftentimes, uh, the people would, would make places for lepers to live. It would be homes outside the city gate, and multitudes of them would stay in the same place. So we see these four men sitting outside the gate. They can't go in the gate because that's where the famine is. We can't just sit here because we're going to starve to death. So let's give ourselves up and go to the Syrian camp, and they might keep us alive. And if they do that, They were thinking, of course, they would feed them. If they don't, 
all we're going to do is die. That's going to happen anyway. Imagine the joy and the surprise of those four men when they went into that empty camp and found all that food and treasure that simply had just been left. Not a soul was in the camp. Now I want the focus of the sermon this morning to be on the reaction of these four men. Not the fact that they were lepers or that they were starving. Everybody was starving. They weren't the only lepers in Israel. But I want us to notice the reaction of these four leprous men as they discovered the greatest news up to that time in their lives. The title of the sermon this morning is Keeping It for Ourselves. Keeping It for Ourselves. And with that in mind, let us begin with the delight of the four men. That's our first point. After having discovered all that food and all that treasure, the lepers delighted in that refreshment. They were uh, presented with a, a buffet of endless amounts of food that they couldn't have eaten in a lifetime. Water to drink, beverages to cool them from the, from the heat of the desert. And so let's make some application regarding those lepers to our lives today. Often when we read the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, we see leprosy as a type of sin. It stands in the place of sin. Leprosy would steal your life away. Sin will steal our lives away. We see four men who were outcast. They were separated from God's people. And in essence, I imagine they felt separated from God Himself because they had this incurable disease. There was nothing that those men could do to take care of their leprosy. And of course, I believe these four men could be representative of anyone outside a covenant re relationship with Christ. Someone who does not enjoy the blessings of being in Christ, Ephesians 1 verse 3, is simply lost. To have all spiritual blessings, one must be in Christ, Ephesians 1 3. They went into the camp. They showed up dying and starving. Once they got there, they were fed. They were clothed. They found treasure. But you know what they wanted? They wanted the food, didn't they? I imagine they went to the food first before they started hiding treasures. They wanted to eat. I think that's a wonderful idea for people today. As we look at an application for our lives today, we need to understand we have to have a desire for the food that God offers. In our summer series, we're talking about the Beatitudes. We've talked about hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and these men definitely were hungering and thirsting. They didn't have any food. They didn't have anything to drink. They were simply dying, and they were willing to walk into the camp unarmed of the enemy soldiers because they were going to die anyway. There was no food on the inside of the city, there certainly wasn't any food to throw over the wall to them because that's how lepers lived. They lived by begging for money and begging for the scraps of food that other people did not eat. You recall what Jesus invited the woman at the well to do, don't you? 
He invited her and He offered her the waters of living life. John 4 verse 10. Job said that he esteemed the words of God over the necessary food in this physical world. Job 23 verse 12. And like those lepers, we must delight in what God has offered. We must take advantage and we must want the food. What was it Jesus told Satan, Matthew chapter 4? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We read about John. John in his recording of the Revelation, he talked about those who enter into heaven, they'll never thirst and they'll never hunger anymore. Revelation 7 verse 16. But first... Before we get to that point, we have to hunger and thirst after the words of God. So these men delighted in their refreshments, and they also delighted in the riches of which they found. They were poor, they were dirty, they lived off the garbage that other people threw out, they were outcasts, and they absolutely had no hope in this life. Having no hope in this life is a terrible place to be. They faced... Terrible things every single day. Imagine, they woke up every morning being lepers. They went to bed every night being lepers. They woke up being outcasts. They went to bed being outcasts. The only people with whom they could have any kind of human contact were those who were also outcasts. Those who were suffering from the scourge of leprosy. It was pitiful. It was pitiful. Even if those who realize or don't realize they're they're not in a covenant relationship with God, they have no hope. Again, leprosy stands for a type of sin. These men were uh, eaten alive, as it were, with leprosy. They could not have communion with, uh, with their fellow brethren. And that's the same thing when we talk about having a relationship with Christ. We have to have that relationship. Outside of that relationship, there is no hope. Notice what Paul told the Ephesians. Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 11. He said, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And that's what the Jews called the Gentile, the uncircumcised. That at that time, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. See, these men needed to be brought nigh. They were without hope every day. And then they stumbled, as it were, upon these riches. When they found an empty camp, They discovered more riches than they could have ever used. They discovered more food than they could have ever eaten. And now they had some hope. No longer were they just simply lepers about to die. They were given the hope of life because they had the sustenance. When one's lost in sin, they may not even realize it. And so it is very important for someone to tell them what they are missing. A Christian has has so much more than monetary value. 
The Christian has so much more than the physical things in this life. He has God, His presence, His provision, His power, His promises, and we need to be able to share that with somebody. Notice again, they began that day by starving and being dressed in rags. And that evening, they were dressed in the finest robes of the Syrian army. They had all the food they could wish to eat. The one who comes to Christ, he trades in his rags of sin for robes of life. Isaiah said this, Isaiah 64 verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. But John recorded in the Revelation, Revelation 19, verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice, and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the linen is the righteousness of the saints. Those lepers, they delighted in the newfound refreshments and the newfound riches that they came into contact with. But their journey was not complete. They delighted, but now, all of a sudden, they're faced with a dilemma. That's our second point. They were caught up in their great fortune, weren't they? They began to hide riches. They began to uh, do different things. And then all of a sudden they come to the realization, we forgot all about the people in the city. There are other people out there who are in need of help. They finally discovered that even though they were lepers, they were in a far better position than those behind the walls of the city. And they came to the realization that they were hoarding up and keeping it all for themselves of the great blessings that they found. I believe their statement, 2 Kings 7, 9, We do not well this day is a day of good tidings. We hold our peace. says it all. They finally realize, what are we doing? This is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. In essence, they were keeping it all for themselves. I think it is very important for the Christian to understand The blessing of salvation is not given simply for personal enjoyment. It is given to share with other people. God has blessed the saved so that they might share those blessings with other people, much like these lepers. They came in, they saw a great blessing, people were were dying, they needed some help, and they came to the realization, I have to share that information. I have to tell other people. It's not for them alone. If we keep it for ourselves, we do not well. Paul asked this question, Romans 10, beginning with verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. These lepers finally realized these blessings weren't for their own consumption only. 
God had given those blessings for the whole of the city. You recall, he made the Syrians uh, think that a great army was coming, and they got up and left, leaving every single thing behind that they had. They didn't take a horse. They didn't take a supply. They didn't take anything. God didn't provide that for four lepers. He provided it for everyone, but the four lepers had to go back and tell someone what was there. They realized the blessings were for everyone. Then we see their resolve born out of their dilemma. They would tell others what they had found. They wanted someone else to be helped in the same way that they were helped. I think that's very important. Sometimes I think maybe we forget that. We enjoy the blessings of having faith in Christ, having obeyed the gospel plan of salvation, having done the things that God has asked us to do, and then we kind of put ourselves on simmer sometimes. But we see resolve in the Christian character. We see that in Andrew, don't we? Andrew found the Messiah. John chapter 1, verse 41, he went and got his brother. Can you imagine the world without the Apostle Peter? having been saved by Christ, by faith through obedience, God's plan would have continued. But boy, what a work He did. The apostles stood on the day of Pentecost and they shared the victory of Christ with those who would listen, Acts chapter 2. You recall what happened. Peter spoke that eloquent sermon. He talked about how the Jews had murdered by wicked hands, had taken the life of Christ. He said, some of you... We're a part of that. You get down to verse 37. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But he didn't stop there. There's more to it than than, uh, repentance and baptism, isn't there? Notice what he said beginning with verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. In the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now what would those other words have been? Well, Jesus said you had to have faith, didn't he? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned, Mark 16, 16. Obviously, Peter talked about repentance. He talked about repentance again in Acts 3, verse 19. We know that Paul spoke of confession, Romans 10, beginning with verse 9 and verse 10. With the mouth, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Peter talked about baptism. So did Paul. So did the Lord. And then we know that there has to be faithful living in this life. That must have been those other words with which he exhorted them to save themselves from that untoward generation. Those four lepers, they delighted in the blessings they discovered. They found something that they needed. They were faced with a dilemma. And now I want us to notice for a few moments their decision. That's our third and final point. To do what they did, those lepers had to have courage. Think about the position in which they found themselves. It took great courage to even approach the gates of that city. 
They were certainly going to be rejected. And they might have even been killed. In fact, when they went into that city, and they talked about the good tidings that they had brought to the people, and the wonderful discovery they had made, the people were skeptical, right? But what did they do? They kept telling the story. We're going to go out into the world as Christians. We're going to preach the gospel. Some will hear, most will not. That's what Jesus talked about, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. But that does not relinquish us from the, uh, from the burden and the responsibility of continuing to spread the good tidings of Christ Jesus. Those very facts teach us something. Go into the world, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you, Go and tell them. Make disciples. We learned some things from that. We learned that the false teaching of of eternal election from before the foundation of time can't be true. A person's not born either saved or lost. He chooses to do what he wants to do. He can make his calling and election sure, 2 Peter 1.10. He's called by the gospel, 2 Thessalonians 2.14. And he can choose to elect to be saved. God has chosen a group of people to be saved, and they're called Christians, members of His church. We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, and those who were being saved were added to the church. There's no salvation outside the church. All spiritual blessings are in uh, Christ Jesus, so we need to get into Christ. And we only do that through obedience to the gospel. Romans 6, 3 and 4, Galatians 3, 26 and 27 say we're baptized into Christ Jesus, but we can't forget faith. We can't forget repentance or confession or faithful living. That places us in the body of Christ. We need to be able to reach out to those around us and tell them about the wonderful blessings we have discovered. Their decision took courage, but it also took compassion. Now think about that. Four lepers, no doubt mistreated by the public, ostracized from everyone else. They didn't say, we're going to keep all this for ourselves. They're getting what they've got coming. But we don't see that in the characteristic of faithful followers of God, do we? We back up in our text to 2 Kings chapter 5, and we read about Naaman, we read about a a little girl who was a slave, stolen from her home. And when she discovered that her master Naaman had leprosy, she told his wife if he would go to Samaria, there's a prophet there who could save him. She didn't say he's getting what he has coming to him. That's not what followers of God do. So these men, as an example to us, they had courage and they had compassion for other people. And they went and told them about what they had found. But we don't see a greater example of someone having compassion than the Christ, do we? He was maligned, he was mistreated, and he was murdered. But Paul could still say, Romans 5 verse 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that a wonderful statement? What compassion. Instead of rejoicing 
over the people are going to get what they've got coming. Christ said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He didn't ask the Father to forgive them in their sin, but He wanted them to have the opportunity to be forgiven by believing on Him and being faithful to Him. We see that in these four men, don't we? Though they had compassion for the people, again, their message was received in skepticism. That's going to happen, isn't it? Not everyone is going to embrace what God has left. Finally, they believed and a nation was saved. All through the efforts of those four men. When we reach out to those around us with the message of the gospel, again, some will listen, most will not. But we continue to work hard and continue to do what God's asked us to do. Are we keeping it for ourselves? I think this is a wonderful recording of something that God has left for our learning, Romans 15, verse 4. We need to understand God has given us what we need and He expects us to share that with other people. May we never keep it for ourselves. Let's start today by sharing the blessings of the gospel. If you haven't been doing that, do that today. If you're not a Christian, become one. We talked about how to do that. Faith and repentance, confession, baptism in water, faithful living, and then having the opportunity to share that great blessing with other people. If you've become unfaithful for whatever reason, you want to come back to God today, come back to Him as we stand and as we sing.